up a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 3, Episode 2. Today's podcast is brought to you by BookLaunchMentor.com. If you've ever dreamed of writing and actually publishing your story and getting it out there, you will find all the mentoring that you'll need to fulfill that book launching dream. Before we jump into today's show, I'd like to highlight the iTunes review of the week, and today's is by Anna LeBaron. She writes, I'm not usually a podcast listener, but I'm a convert after this one and have subscribed. Mary's interview skills drew me into the story, and I listened to the end, eager to know what happened. I am eagerly awaiting the next Restory podcast. I'm so grateful for that, Anna. And Anna is an amazing person, and she's actually going to be on the Restory show in the future. So um, thank you for that review. It's humbling and very sweet. Now, if you'd like to be on the Restory show, even if it's only for two minutes, you can click on the little recording icon on the right-hand side of marydemuth.com, and you can record a two-minute story and share it with the listeners. And I would so appreciate it too if you could um, write a review if you have a chance. I know it's uh, we all have such crazy busy lives, but um, that really just helps the Restory Show get out there and into more people's earbuds. So thank you so much. So today I am welcoming Rachel Ann Ridge to the Restory Show, and she has got an amazing story. And I say that every week, but this is true. Very amazing story. And it involves a donkey, and it also involves scary unemployment. And so. I, without any further ado, I would just love to welcome Rachel Ann Rich to the Restory Show. Hey everyone, it's Mary at the Restory Show, and I am so excited to have my friend Rachel Ann Ridge with us today. She wrote a tremendous book about Flash the donkey, who actually lives with her still, and I just adored it. So if you are looking for a an animal memoir, <laughs> which is its own genre, you definitely need to pick that up. But anyway, she and I have known each other, I don't even know how long, several years now maybe, but she has a great story to tell, and I'm just really excited to have her here. So Rachel, thanks for coming on the Restory Show. Thanks so much for having me. This is so fun. It is fun, and we are fun, so we will have fun. <laughs> well, of course, you know, and you, if you have a guest who has written a book that is in the animal genre or, <laughs> you know, a book about a donkey, I mean, your expectations are either going to be really low or they're going to be off the chart high, because how awesome is that? I know, and I wish we had Flash with us right now, because I'm sure <laughs> that there would be some interesting things. Yeah, he's a horrible conversationalist, though. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, give us um, a little idea of like where you grew up, how you met Christ, and you know, you probably have husband, one husband and kids and things like that. So <laughs> bring us up to speed on who you are. Okay. Well, uh, I... Uh, live in the Dallas area, uh, just like you do. Uh, I grew up in Washington State. My parents, or my dad was a, a minister and um, and also a missionary. So part of my growing up years was also spent in Mexico. And so I actually went to high school in Mexico City. Wow. And uh, that's, a big, yeah. that's a big city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was an awesome experience and I loved it. And uh, after I graduated high school, I moved to the Dallas area and really rather quickly met this really sweet guy named Tom who swept me off my feet. And we got married. I was a young 
teenager, 19 years old, but um, (laughs) 30 some odd years later, we're still together. And I'm just happy that that it happened in the way that it did. But um, so I have always really known the Lord. I grew up in a Christian home and and I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, Very loving parents who really um, taught me about Jesus and lived lives of service. But of course, you know, probably wasn't until my teenage years, um, 14 or 15, that, that I really came to understand that I needed to own my own faith and uh, really dedicated my life to Him. So that's in a nutshell my story of, you know, my, my early years and, and coming to know Christ. Where did you meet your husband? <laughs> well, we were actually in, in a Bible school, and we had mutual friends, and uh, we pretty quickly, you know, caught each other's eye, and it was all kind of love at first sight. Maybe maybe second glance. <laughs> <laughs> love at second glance. Yes. That could be the name of your next book, Love at Second Glance. It sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah, double take. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Double take. And you had little people, I'm assuming, right? Because I know you're a grandma, so you must have had children. Yes, yes. So we got, you know, we got right on it. And um, <laughs> we have grown children now <laughs> that are... Uh, they're grown. My youngest is still, uh, he's finishing up in college. And then uh, our daughters are grown and married and they each have two little people. So we have four little grandkids. And so it's a whole new season of life that is really more fun than I could have imagined that it was going to be. I keep hearing that. I'm looking forward to that next stage. Uh, Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? It takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around it, you know, and you're like, I'm going to be a (laughs) grandma. (laughs) Yeah, it it does take a little while. But but once you do that, once you embrace it, then it's then it's just all awesome. That's great. And so um, that brings us to the story that you want to share with the listeners today. And it involves the year 2008, a great year for many of us, a difficult year. And so tell us a little bit about what was going on in your family that year. Well, I have to back up just a few, uh, just a little bit, just to say that um, I had started a, a little hobby, painting furniture and painting little bird houses. Uh, one year, I just decided to, you know, give some hand painted things as gifts, and ended up with too many bird houses, and so I put them in a shop and began to sell them. And before I knew it, I had this little hobby had turned into a business. And in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the time, um, things were just absolutely booming. The early 2000s, I call them McMansions, but you know these beautiful uh, luxury homes were going up really in all corners of the city. And there were so many opportunities. And I, I began getting phone calls, and people would co- come and ask if I. They would ask if I could do murals or uh, children's rooms, baby nursery. Um, custom furniture and surface design. And so I really kind of landed backwards into this business and um, it became more than I could handle. And my husband was kind of burned out of the business that he was in and he's really an artistic soul. And so we had launched into this artistic business together and it was really our dream come true. We had felt like we 
um, found our calling. We Hmm. were really in our using our creative gifts and in um, beautiful settings and corporate settings. And um, we, you know, we had enough for our our three kids and our dog and, you know, just had kind of a nice little life. And uh, and then 2008 came along and um, 2008 with the banking and housing crisis, it was just like somebody had taken uh, their hand to a, a faucet and just turned the faucet off. Mm. The phone immediately stopped ringing and um, we had still three kids at home and um, bills to pay and uh, orthodontics mm-hmm. and we're looking at college and um, it just became such a uh a stressful time just trying to make ends meet and and really feeling like we had been we thought what we had been doing was following God's dream for us and then when it came to a crashing halt man it it, it brought up a whole host of questions <laughs> I can't imagine what that I mean just suddenly all of you know everything you'd planned and everything you'd dreamed and everything you had built just stops with the stopping of, of phone calls. Right, right. So how did you initially, did you kind of think, oh, well, this is just a small downturn and we'll get through this. And then as things dragged on, how did you begin to cope with that? Well, you know, we had a couple of issues. One, uh, one is that both Tom and I were working together. So it was our own business. Um, and when you're a creative the only time that you are uh, really making money is when you're creating something. Um, so we used to say, you know, the only time that we're making money is if we're standing in front of a wall with a paintbrush in our hand. And so when you're not, you're not, you're not making money. So it puts stress on your marriage. You know, when there's the two of you together, you're like, well, you know, maybe you should be out marketing. Maybe you should be, you know, we should have bid this in a different way or, you know, there's a whole host of things that we, you think, oh, we should have, could have, would have done mm-hmm. differently. And then you start questioning the Lord. You know, you start questioning, okay, well, I, you know, as a person of faith, that you feel that you have been given gifts that are to glorify God or that you can really live fully. Um, maybe we should have uh, just gotten real jobs and, um, you know, been an accountant or, you know, a nurse or, you know, or done something that had a real, um, nine to five paycheck every two weeks. And um, so we just, it, it's crushing. Uh, it, it was just a, a really, there were a few years there that were just really, really difficult where we just didn't know, you know, how we were going to make it or what we were going to do. And and yet somehow in the middle of that, you know, you, you have no choice but to keep moving forward. Um, we really didn't have a whole lot of options. And um, 2008 was it was a bad year for every industry so it wasn't like you could go out and just go get another job somewhere so in the middle of all of that um, I really look back on that time as not only really one of the most difficult and stressful times but it was also a time when I I see now that that's really what God used to bring me into a, a new place of understanding of who he is how he provides for us how he leads for us what his kingdom is all about and and uh, what it means to to serve him, even when you don't see the commercial success to your um, to your gifting. And that's a definitely a word for um, people like me and you who are writers, also, right? Uh, right. Because there is no way to predict the the industry in the arts. The arts industry is very fickle, 
And it's hard to make a projection of, oh, well, next year I'm going to make this amount of money and, you know, do this and such. You know, the scripture talks about that. Don't say, well, you know, tomorrow we're going to do this and this and go and do that and that. And it's, that's presumption. So in this, it also says through presumption comes nothing but strife. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting time. And I think there's a lot of people too that, at least this is how I was before we left for the mission field in France. I vaguely understood or I kind of casually understood that God was our provider. But then as we raised support, it was like, oh, yeah, now I understand truly that God is our provider. And then when we came back here to jobs, I let that go again. And I forgot that he was our provider because we had jobs and my husband had a nine to five job. But as we, you know, he lost his job this year. And as we went through that, I realized, no, 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 I got to get back to that idea that it's not up to me to provide. I need to work hard, but it's not, um, the, the weight of it is not on my shoulders. God is the provider. Mm-hmm. And we, I think, you know, so much of, we kind of think that it should go a certain way and that in itself creates stress. You think, well, if I'm, if I'm doing all the right things, uh, we kind of buy into this blessed life kind of mentality that that um, blessing equals financial success or financial security, and 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 maybe ultimately that you know that that may happen, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to walk through some really difficult times or maybe some scary times, and <laughs> and uh, you know. I think that God lets that those things happen. He's there all along with us through those things. At least, you know, in my experience, it felt in the moment that he was far away. I think because my presumption was, well, if God is near me or if he's with me, then I will be successful in my endeavor. And the only thing that was, he, he was with me, he was near me. But the endeavor part of it, um, he was allowing me to go through um, a, a time that was, you know, stressful and uh, very stretching and realizing, yes, he is our provider and he's, he's going to see us through this thing. And how did your kids work through all of that as well? I mean, were they partners in this? Okay, we're going to have to cut, you know, <laughs> cut down right. on our spending. And I mean, how did, did they pray for provision as well? You know, I think as parents, you try to protect your kids from a lot of that stress. You know, they they can't help but feel it. You know, we live in an affluent area. They we drive used cars. They they drove used cars. You you have to make your own reality and um, as much as you can, still create a sense of sanctuary within your home and uh, a sense of joyfulness even when you're in that. Because I I didn't want them to look back on their high school and middle school years and, and only remember how, you know, grim it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, t- you, you play games and watch movies and go outside and do things and try to do things on the cheap and, and try to make some memories. And, and even in the midst of the, those things, I think you can find um, that there's, that there is great blessing in it. And one of the blessings that we found is that, we did things that we spent time together, um, being together rather than just doing things and going places. And so our focus was was really on our relationships with one another. I'm sure that you're also seeing fruit from that time as well. Whether, you know, if you'd had money and you were spending it, that's a different kind of dynamic than just spending time with one another. 
Right. And, you know, of of course, as parents, you wish that you always wish that you could do more. And it's usually in retrospect, you know, that you look back and go, oh, no, there really was a blessing in that. And I and I think my my kids now would tell you, too, that 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 they are grateful for the for the upbringing that they have. They are they are not dependent on things even to this day for their sense of self worth, self worth, and uh, you know how they get along, and and I am really proud of that. And now some of that is, you know, some of that is the experience that we shared together, and a lot of that is just them uh, on their own and their their own personal growth. How did you work through the stress that inevitably fell upon your marriage during that time? Because that has got to have been hard. <laughs> <laughs> well. It does, it helps when you are married to your best friend and you have your, your uh, relationship is based on a friendship. So we really do get along well. So that is helpful, but there, that's not to say that there weren't times that, that were just difficult and, you know, you each deal with stress in a different way. My husband gets very quiet Mm -hmm. and starts making his list of all the things that need to be done just so, and and you know he's the neat nick he's the planner he's the perfectionist and i'm the you know i'm the one who eyeballs things and uh, guesses and estimates and i'm you know kind of out there and creative so there's inevitably conflict <laughs> that arises you know when you're when you're both trying to move in the same direction but you have two completely different ways of of um going about it you know there sometimes you just have to uh kind of go your separate ways for a, for a period of time, you know, a few hours and cool off and then, you know, kind of let things pass and, and work it out. So at least that's the way that we did it. We're not the verbal yelling at each other types. We're, we're more the, (laughs) I need to go in my room and (laughs) pout for a while type. So, (laughs) so inevitably what was the turn and, and did you continue in that business or did you both have to go get different jobs or how did everything turn around or did it or has it or how, how are you living well, now? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Um, you know, at the time, I don't think that we really had a lot of options. I mean, it wasn't like companies were really hiring people in their late forties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Banging down your door. Bang, no, no, no. Uh, please come work for us for a you know, great salary. Mm. Um, so we felt like we really didn't have much of a choice. Tom did have a, a another job that he um, was working at that was a, a kind of a sideline thing that has gradually become his full-time job. I have since then, and probably really as a result of uh, that difficult hardship, have written a couple of books and um, because right in the middle of that was when this crazy story of this shaggy donkey showing up on our doorstep happened all in the middle of all of that, you know, despondency that I was going through. And it's just amazing how, to me how God can use something as simple as, you know, a donkey showing up, these these interruptions that come into your life, whether it's a, a donkey or an illness or a job change or you know, a, a a person coming into your life, if your eyes are open and your heart is open to that, um, that can be the catalyst for bringing you into the next thing. 
And so I, uh, that season of the economy crashing and the events that unfolded really became part of what God would use to bring me into being able to write my story and being able to share that and opening up new doors and new ways of serving people. So when Flash showed up, tell us a little bit about that story. <laughs> Why is he named Flash? <laughs> Why is he named? Well, Flash. Now, some of your listeners, they may have had the experience of having a donkey show up on their doorstep. Probably so they're like, not. oh, yeah, you oh know, yeah, that story. Old, yeah. <laughs> oh. But we, we live out in the country, and it was a particularly um, depressing night. Uh, Tom and I had been on a job site finishing up. It had taken far longer to do this mural project than we had planned, and we realized as we were putting our things back into the truck that, that the money that we were going to make from that project was not going to pay our bills. And so we were. it was a long, silent ride home in the dark. And, you know, I literally remember just pressing my um, forehead up against the passenger side window and just feeling like, God, you know, like you've deserted me. How, how, how have we gotten to this point and what are we going to do now? And we turned onto our dirt driveway and right there, right as we turned onto our driveway, right in the headlights was this donkey (laughs) just standing there eating grass in the middle of the, you know, their little tuft of grass in the middle of the driveway. And my husband hit the brakes and we sit, we sat there for a minute and we were like, huh, now are we dreaming this? Or is this one of these out of body experiences? (laughs) Where did this thing come from? Anyway, to make a long story short, we, we rescued, and I say with air quotes because uh, he did not want to be rescued. Because uh, <laughs> he's a donkey. It was a three-hour, right. Um, and just say if a donkey does not want to go, you cannot make a donkey go. <laughs> Pushing, pulling, cajoling, <laughs> entreating, using oats, every everything that we could think of to try to rescue this donkey. And we we put him into our pasture for overnight and nobody ever claimed him. And so we just ended up keeping him. And, and just strangely enough, it was just like God knew that I needed to have my very own object lesson um, right there in front of my very eyes to, to just to begin to teach me daily wisdom for making my way out through this, this, um, abyss of, <laughs> of failure and um, difficulty. And um, each day as I would go out there and just deal with this donkey, I mean, for me, that was a donkey, a buck-toothed, long-eared, crazy character that was my own personal um, object lesson, just to, just to teach me that I could keep putting one foot in front of the other and that God was going to be there, that He was gently leading me on and gently taking me to where I needed to go. So when you were caring for Flash, then you, what kind of parallels and what kind of lessons did Flash teach you? Well, you know, donkeys aren't, uh, you know, he's not a shiny, gorgeous steed. He's a shaggy old. (laughs) He's not a show donkey. (laughs) No, 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 he's not. He's just, you know, opinionated, uh, read stubborn. He has his own ideas of doing things. And I just, I found myself really mirrored in this character, the stubbornness of my own heart, the, my lack of trust, 
the way that that God really had to wear down my own defenses to to be able to listen to him and to trust that he was going to be there, that he was leading me on um, just in so many ways. That's that was really I found myself pictured in him and just like how Jesus used parables so much of the time were in um, the, in his own natural setting outdoors. He used uh, mustard seeds and birds and sparrows and wheat and farmers and foxes have dens. And, you know, you just think of all the, the many parables that he used from everyday life. He was drawing parallels from those that we could go, oh, the, the kingdom of God is like, and we could see a picture. And so for me to look at, at the natural world, to see an animal, to see this was, it was eye-opening, I think, in, in a way that was, that was the only way that I would have listened or, or could have listened at that time. So now all of our listeners are going to be praying for a donkey to show up at their door. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're saying, no, God, I'll take a goldfish. Yeah. Give me a goldfish. Please not a donkey. A little, little kitty cat, or, you know, or something. Exactly. But you know, don't you think though, I mean, I, I've had, uh, you know, writing a book about a, a donkey is never on my radar for something that I would ever do, but I have just had so many people that have come to me and kind of whispered almost embarrassing, like they're embarrassed to say, you know, I really learned this amazing lesson from my dog, uh, you know, or my cat. And they've never really given voice to, because they feel embarrassed that maybe God would speak to them in such a humble way. But, but I think that is how God's does speak to us. He does use humble means. He does use everyday moments to get those truths across to us. At least that's been my experience. And and I think that being able to share that has uh, given me a connection with with other people that they can share their their humble everyday stories as well. So tell us the genesis of. I mean, how did you think? I know. I'll write about my donkey and I will pitch it to an agent and they will think it's cool and then I'll be published. Yeah. Yeah. This Seems will so never ridiculous. Fail. Yeah, I know. Well, I had I had started blogging uh, back in 2006, which is like the olden days that of is. blogging now. You're like a veteran. Uh, I know. It was before Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and Snapchat and all that good stuff. And People actually did read blogs, and and I just uh, I wasn't blogging about a donkey or anything, just about my own you know personal life, my own coping skills for dealing with you know everyday life, and found an audience of people just that would read my blog, and kind of fell in love with uh, with writing, and learned um, through the blogging medium how to say what I wanted to say, uh, how to find my voice. Uh, find my audience and and I as I I did share some donkey stories on there and <laughs> and it just got such a great response from people people were like oh let me see pictures I gotta see more tell us more and when I I began thinking about writing a book I um I literally just kind of looked through my notes and through old blog posts and I and I saw that that there was this that the donkey was kind of a vehicle, if you will, for 
bigger stories to be told. And um, and as I began to research, I, I, I saw that animal stories and the animal genre was was something that that people were very interested in. And um, interestingly, not very many Christian <laughs> animal memoirs. And uh, I just I thought there might be a place for it. And I thought, well, why not? Let's let's just try it. And so um, that was kind of the genesis of of me putting together a book proposal and really, you know, finding people that went, I love this story and went for it. So how long was it between writing the proposal and signing a contract? Once I got serious about it, um, my dear, sweet husband, Tom, he finally got so sick of me talking about, I'm going to write this book someday. He finally said, okay, I'm going to give you a deadline. Right. Awesome. <laughs> you know, in love, uh, he just said, you have until such and such a date to get that proposal done. And then you need to go find an agent or do whatever it is you writer people do. And um, so the deadline really did light a fire under me. He um, helped clear my schedule and made it possible for me to just sit and and get it done. Once I got the proposal done, then I started just asking everybody who, you know, I mean, it's just, I didn't know the first thing about how do you find an agent? How do you find a publisher? So, um, Mary, I found your tutorial online, how to write a nonfiction book, how to write a, a, a nonfiction book proposal. And it was that that really, uh, I mean, I literally copied and pasted it and put it together and and I will say that the response that I got from using your your template. <laughs> hey, great was, commercial. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, and and you know, I I knew of you and I knew I had known of your books. And so I had all, always respected the work that you did. So when I saw, you know, that you had this material for a wannabe writer, you know, I downloaded it and I read every word and I I mean, I just took it to heart and and that um, book proposal got such a great response from, you know, it, that's what got me an agent and with with some tweaking, um, got the the book offers and, you know, finally found the, the publisher. So thank you. Get, oh, finally awesome. get a chance to tell you in person. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> I love that. Well, I know that there's, you know, people out there who maybe their dream isn't to write a book, but there's some sort of creative thing that they, it's been nagging them their whole lives. Like, I really need to learn how to paint or I really want to start a business, but I'm so afraid. And, and there is something beautiful about what your husband did for you, giving you a deadline. And so I, uh, I just encourage listeners to find some random person or your spouse and <laughs> ask them to give you a deadline for your dream because dreams without deadlines don't get accomplished. No. And so no. it's important to, to set a deadline. If you really, if it keeps you up at night and you can't stop thinking about it, it's time to go after it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think all of us or many of us feel like you said, we have that creative desire to do something. And you, for me, I, I really had to cast about and try to figure out what, you know, what is that thing? What is that going to look like? Try different um, types of art, different types of writing, different types of things, you know, to just to, to find what it is that, that kind of lit my spark and, and, and got me going. But 
like you, I just, I have to have a deadline or I'm just a dreamer. I'm, you know, I'm just off in la la land thinking (laughs) that, you know, something is going to happen and I need a drop dead date and then I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. I think gone are the days. And I think this is, you know, this happened maybe in the seventies and eighties where some beautiful woman was sitting in a cafeteria and, an, a modeling agent came up and said, you're the next it girl. And, yeah. But yeah. that just doesn't happen. That is just, that is a false thing. It's not true. And that you, there is a lot of work that has to be done. And, and I think there is something to be said about industry and working hard at what we do. So uh, let me ask you this. So as people are listening to this, I'm sure many have walked through financial distress losing a job, um, maybe having a job that doesn't pay well, being underemployed. What kind of advice would you give to someone in that situation right now? It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> and there's we're no done. Way, no. There's, yeah, it's tough. There's, there's no way around it. Um, I, th- I think, you know, one of, one of the things that um, is difficult when you're, when you're facing a financial crisis or an economic crisis like that is, the, the feeling of failure and the feeling of loneliness that comes, um, it's difficult to share. Like it, to me, it would have been easier to share a prayer request if I had been ill or if a loved one, you know, praying for a loved one, but to say, please pray for our business or please, please pray that we can make ends meet that that's very difficult. And it feels so personal. And so for me, I, I really drew back and put a, up a wall. <laughs> I think um, I drew back from re- relationships, and that's probably the very thing that you really shouldn't do. So I, I think I would really just advise people to reach out, find um, find a couple of people that you can really be honest with and who can help at least give you encouragement or squeeze your hand or, you know, or something that you don't feel completely alone. Um, The second thing I would say is redefine success. Yes, good. Um, You know, success is not driving a shiny new car. Um, It's not living in a, in a fancy place. Sometimes success is uh, putting, laying your head on the pillow at the end of the day. And um, you know that you've connected with your loved ones and, you may not know how you're going to make uh, ends meet the next day, but but you're um, you're doing the best that you can. And I think you really have to give yourself. You have to be kind to yourself when you're going through that. Um, it's really easy to beat yourself up and to compare yourself to other people who don't seem to have to work so hard, and you're having to juggle so many things to you know to make it each month and. Um, so you, you need to be kind to yourself and give your, give yourself some downtime, give yourself permission to relax, give yourself permission to enjoy things and, and then really ask God to open your eyes to see what are, what are the things that I'm, that you have for me? Are there, are there things that I can enjoy? Are there aspects of God's, um, kingdom that you wouldn't otherwise see? Are there ways to serve? Are there are there ways to connect with people that you wouldn't otherwise be in if you weren't were not in that situation? And then, and lastly, I would just say that just realize that whatever season you're in, that's not the last chapter that God has for you. That um, He is still writing your story, 
And every story is going to have some difficulty. It's going to have its challenges. It's going to have its impossible odds that you have to overcome. But that's where God has you, and He's going to provide a way for you, and He will um, put you in a position to where opportunities are going to come your way. One of those things are, is going to be the catalyst that's going to put you right into the place where you go, oh, this is that open door. Oh, this is that place of service. Oh, this is that, you know, gracious valley that God, you know, has of abundance for you. So it's not, it's not the last chapter. So you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and um, allow God to, in his timing, make a way for you for that next thing to happen. I love that. And then the other alternative is to pray for a donkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> you never know. Right. You you don't. If you live in Texas, you know, <laughs> you it might could just happen. have a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. And so as you look back over this last year of 2016 and beginning 2017, how has God restoried you? Oh my goodness. Well, one of the things that I am enjoying in this season of life of not having little kids underfoot and um, being an empty nester is just having the luxury of a little bit more time to read and study and and think about things that uh, I just couldn't when my life was so full in previous years. And so I have been thinking a lot about the kingdom of God and rediscovering who Jesus is. I've spent a lot of time in the Gospels and and just kind of reigniting my own spiritual life. And so uh, for me, it's just an exciting season to, to realize that there's so much that I uh, it's like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> and there's so much more to learn. So I'm discovering new writers and new authors and, and new nuggets here and there. And um, I think the restoring is just happening in being available, thinking outside the box and looking outside of the box for just new ideas and new writers and new uh, new things to kind of challenge my own thinking. And, um, you know, you just, you don't grow unless you read new things and talk to people that are kind of outside your comfort zone. You may reject some ideas. Or you might, you know, say, okay, that's not going to work for me. But you'll, when you challenge yourself, that's when real growth happens. So that's my restory of this last year. And uh, you and I actually ran into each other during part of that restory because we were both attending <laughs> yeah. an anti right lecture. And, oh my uh, goodness. He was amazing. Mind blown. I know. I I just felt like I needed to study his words. I'm glad there's a transcript somewhere of what he's talking about. You can find those. They're all online now. And um, so I've gone back through a little bit. I've gotten some snippets as I've had had some time. But but that's one thing that, you know, that he's a he's a writer and and a thinker that I've just recently discovered in the past few years that has just uh, ignited my faith in a way to to uh, think about scripture and think about what Jesus did in the kingdom of God in a, in a, in a whole new light. And I don't, I don't even have words. So I'm, it's just, it, it's just good to um, put yourself out there and enlarge your circles and, and just see what God can do. Give him a little bit more room to make you grow. Yes. I love that. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the Restory show today and just your honesty and especially during a hard time and recounting that and just God's faithfulness to you is really encouraging to me and I know it'll be encouraging to our listeners as well. 
Oh, I hope so. This has just been a delight. And I always just, I love getting a chance to talk with you. And I, as I always say, I appreciate you so much when I see your things pop up on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, you always have such an encouraging word. And um, so I, you know, I appreciate your presence in your ministry. Oh, thanks. That's so sweet. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, I hope all of you out there listening are going to have an amazing restoried week. Hey, thanks for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Jesus, thank you so much that you are the owner of a cattle on the cattle on a thousand hills, that you own it all, that you understand our weakness, you understand our needs, you understand what we're going through, you understand the fears that keep us up at night, you hold our hands when we are walking slowly and with trepidation, and you are near even if we feel you are far. The truth is your spirit lives within us, so we are never far from your heart. So thank you for that. And I pray for those who are struggling today, especially financially, who don't know where the next paycheck is coming from or don't know how they're going to pay the next bill. I pray for a provision, abundant provision from your hand, and that they would know that you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. And Jesus, for those who are um, battling discouragement today, I pray that you would be the lifter of their heads, that they could not only look above their circumstances, but lift their eyes and to look into your eyes to realize that you are there with them, loving them, caring for them, and being near. So thank you for that, Jesus. I pray today would be a day of experiencing your presence and knowing your favor. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you'd like to know more information about today's Restory show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash Restory 3-2. And of course, may you live a brand new story this week.